Alicia at War Podcast coming your way. Steve Schmee here, episode 443 QA, joined by Rickster, Ricky V Rock. How's it going, man? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? What's everybody doing out there? Good. Excited uh, for, for the weekend, as always, guys. So we're uh, recording this. Um, we're going to do another QA. We have four really fun topics. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is Tremblone, and we're going to talk about the history behind Tremblone a little bit. We're going to talk about why Tremblone is bashed today by some guys and kind of go over the timeline of, of Tremblone. So Rick is our history guru. So Rick, why don't you talk about, you know, let's, let's take a time machine back to the 80s and to the 90s and talk about how Trend came around when guys started using it. Um, I think there's a little bit of uh, I think we can all uh, we can agree Tremblone started being used, you know, um, you know, during the late 80s, especially the early 90s. And it really changed bodybuilding um, and turned these monsters into mega monsters. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So once you get into the history a little bit of Tremblone. Well, I definitely we we did a whole podcast on just Tremblone alone, and and I discussed the history there, and we've gone over Tremblone in depth in podcast number three fifty one, and then number three thirty seven, and then uh, number uh, I believe it was three eighty nine, and we got again into Tremblone in three three nine. So Tremblone is definitely we've discussed we've discussed the uh, the history. I'll give you guys some reference for podcasts you guys can go back and and listen to. Uh, Tremblone was uh, available for human use uh, briefly uh, a couple of times. Uh, Negma um, is a company out of France that put out Parabolin. And uh, that, that was discontinued. I believe the date was 1996, 92. Tremblone made a resurgence around the early 2000s when uh, a dude by, who went by the username Animal on the forums, Animal came up with the with the idea with the way of actually extracting Tremblone acetate at that point from Phenoplex H cattle pellets. So cattle pellets that, that were placed in the cattle's ears to help them grow bigger and, and you know, yield more meat from that animal. And so uh, there was a whole process to extract Tremblone. I did it obviously at the time and, and used it on myself. And man, are the effects of Tremblone really, really good. Man, are the effects of Tremblone at the time that I started using it where, where I thought it was just incredible. Uh, very, very strong steroid. Made you really feel like you were on something. You, you smell like you were on steroids. You looked like you were on steroids. You felt it like you were on steroids. But um, my opinion on it has changed. At first, I thought it was, it was incredible. It, it started to knock my hair out. It's the biggest contributor to losing my hair in my mid-20s. Um, it started to do things to my body that I, I, I didn't I didn't think that juice was worth a squeeze. I didn't think it was worth it for health-wise. And then I took Tremblon out of my programs, out of my life for many, many years, almost 10, almost 10, where I was just like, oh, I'm not doing Trem. Then most recently, I, I've kind of revisited my opinion on Tremblon. And now my opinion on Tremblon is that I don't think Tremblone was ever really that bad. I think I misused it. I didn't understand what I needed to do with it. Tremblone is great because it multiplies the effects of everything else you're doing. That's what I found. And 
know a couple other guys uh, that know their shit that have actually agreed with me on this. And it really multiplies the way everything else works. So really, if you're doing a good cutting cycle, if you're doing a bulk, a good bulking cycle, you don't need to go much further than about 100 to 200 milligrams of trembolone per week. And at that point, you are really multiplying the way everything else works, and you're keeping the trembolone side effects really low at that point, really low. Trembolone side effects can really hit you, hit you hard and affect you. So you really need to um, keep it, keep it low. Once you start going three, 400, 500, 600 megs of tremble on chase, that's when you can't sleep. That's when you get the night sweats. That's when you just get a lot of really weird side effects. Everything from having trendic, you know, where it sounds great, but it, it delays, can delay your orgasm to the point where it's not a good experience where you're, you're horny as hell. You're trying to, to finish up and, and you and, and it's almost impossible you almost can't a lot of guys have reported this the sweats the change in the smell in your pee the change in the smell in your body it's definitely really strong but about 100 to 200 grams per week you know it's there you could feel it working you could feel what it does in your cycle and really those really nasty side effects aren't aren't all, aren't all there um are you going to get much more benefits going way higher. Uh, well, your total dose might be going higher if you go way higher. So I'm not sure uh, if that's a real good, good question. I think that you get most of the real uh, multiplying benefits of Trembolone at around one or 200 mix a week. If, you're, you're, if your genetics are just different than mine, it's maybe 300, but I don't think you need to go much more than that. Once you get into the 400 a week realm uh, milligrams of trembolone, that's when the real side effects and the real problems really start. I know I was doing something like 75 milligrams of trembolone every day when I started to lose my hair. So 75 milligrams of trembolone. I believe it was, yeah, almost every day, along with testosterone propionate. I believe I was also throwing some EQ in that, that mix. And, um, and man, I mean, it, it just, it did it, you know, it's, 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 it, it could be one of the steroids that has the best results right next to something like super draw, let's say, but it, it probably is really heavy. One of the heaviest ones on the side effect sides, in, in my opinion. Oh, I mean, Tremblone is something that I was very patient with. I didn't, I didn't use it for several years. Um, I use other steroids. I kind of work my way up to it. I kind of earn my way to it. It's one of those you should earn your way to because once you start using Trembolone, nothing else is going to seem, you know, to, to be even close. You're going to be like, what the hell am I doing using Primo? What the hell am I doing using EQ? What the hell am I doing using testosterone? What the hell am I doing using any, any steroid? And once I used Trembolone, I was incredible. Like the first week and a half, two weeks, like you'll notice your lifts just go crazy and your strength is just incredible. Your mindset, your, uh, the pumps, once you get to week three, week four, the, the trend pumps, there's nothing like the trend pumps in the gym. And, um, it's a fascinating steroid to use, but, um, you know, what we see from competitors 
once you see competitors, you saw competitors like blow up, you started getting these massive beasts. And Tremblone is one of the main reasons why. So if you're going to be a competitor, a professional bodybuilder, you have to use Tremblone if you're going to keep up with your peers. There's just no other way around it. Um, you know, I guarantee you these competitors, they're not using Prima Bolin. <laughs> you know, they're not running Prima Bolin. They're running Trend. You know, nobody, these competitors don't run Prima Bowl anymore. That's just, it's just a waste. It's a waste of money. It's just so expensive and, and a waste of money that they can run Trend and save 80% because Trend is so cheap. And they can run trend in instead. So, um, you know, trend has drawbacks. And a lot of people, you know, they attack trend. They don't like trend. And it's true because trend is extremely inflammatory in the body. So from a health perspective, it's not a healthy steroid to run. But the key is if you're running it for a short amount of time, six or seven weeks, which doesn't sound like a long time, but in my experience, that's all you really want to run it because by the seventh week, it's just beating you down. You know, it's getting annoying with the side effects. So if you just stop at six, seven weeks and you don't run it again for like a year or two, you shouldn't have an issue like health wise. It's not going to bother you health wise and keep the dosage low. So, I mean, people have to realize, you know, Tremblon was designed for bodybuilding. It was being produced human grade in France to be used in bodybuilding. That was the purpose of it, you know? So, you, you know, it was designed for bodybuilding. And I can't tell you how many steroids out there you can say the same thing because most steroids that are out there were designed for some sort of health benefit mostly things like anemia or muscle wasting diseases. So, you know, pre, uh, Tremblone is, is an interesting steroid and it's something you should definitely at some point mess around with. Just don't abuse it. You know, if you abuse it, it can come back and bite you. So short cycles, low dose. And my recommendation is if you're going to stack Tremblone, Stack it with something mild. Don't stack it with something estrogenic. Don't stack it with something androgenic. It's got to be a really mild steroid, something like T-Bowl or Anabar or Masteron or even Primo, <clears throat> something like that, or EQ, something very mild if you're going to stack Tremblone. But don't stack it with testosterone. Don't stack it with Dianabol. Don't stack it with Anadrol. Don't stack it with Halo. Don't stack it with any androgenic steroid or a steroid that is going to convert to estrogen because now you're going to get a mess. You're going to get a mess on your hands. All right. So next topic we're going to talk about, if I can pull it up here, is going to be big cycle for a big man. So this guy is over six foot tall, 250 plus pounds. He's a big, big, big guy. And he's an ass kicker. He wants to uh, fight everybody. He's one of those types of guys. And that's fine. You know, um, I like that. I like that attitude. Sometimes you have to have that attitude in life. 
But, but joking aside, guys, he wants to use a very potent cycle, three grams a year. His cycle is 1,000 milligrams a week of testosterone, 1,000 milligrams a week of equipoise, 1,000 milligrams a week of masteron. That's a hell of a cycle, three grams. So I'll bring in Rick. Um, you've been... Um, You've been down this road before. You've run these big cycles. Uh, what can this guy expect? What do you think about it? It's a big cycle. Um, I wish I had more background and knew what his experience level was. Um, <clears throat> look, there's only so much keepable gains you're going to make in a short period of time, no matter how much steroids you take and no matter how much you eat. And each guy's different, but in my experience, the amount of steroids you need per week to reach that threshold of like keepable gains that you can put on. And obviously what you do after post-cycle therapy is incredibly important. Plug in my products again, hcgenerate.com to stack along with your PCT guys. Um, what you do after you gain the weight is also uh, crucial. It's very important. It determines what you're able to keep or not. But those these these huge three four gram cycles uh, just have so always seemed pretty uh pretty crazy to me because unless you're already a huge guy like you're really really big competitor size and you need to be almost on something year round so that that additional extra super mass doesn't melt away then you you know you you might need to baseline each cycle with a thousand milligrams of something and then you you build on top of that. If you're already a huge guy, if you're already, you know, big bodybuilder, competitive size. But most of us guys just trying to look good with our short off, just trying to be big Bob at the office. And, uh, you know, we're not competing, not putting on muscle year after year and all these things. Uh, some of it is just going to be a waste. Uh, you could have you could have probably gained as much keepable, keepable weight by doing half of that amount, by doing half of that dose. So that, that's kind of my opinion on that. I wish I knew more background on, background on the guy. I mean, who knows? You know, the guy could be 250, 260 lean <laughs> and, uh, you know, competing in, uh, in small shows and, you know. Well, let get, me ask you this. Uh, he's yeah. obviously a big guy. If you're, if you're, you know, 250 to 300, really, really big, do you think that, he has to run more steroids compared uh, to someone who's only 150? What is your opinion? Good question. Good question. Depending on, on how, on, on if you were a skinny and small guy to begin with, meaning uh, they're guys who are just tall and kind of skinny, don't, don't have a lot of size. And they, if you worked out naturally five, eight years and you were able to put on a, some size and then you start hitting the saws and now you're 20, 30, 40 pounds over where you started off uh, when you started using steroids, um, 50 pounds over the weight you were when you first started using steroids years ago. Yeah, guys like that, you're, you might need to be on a little something year-round. Now, if you were, if you were just a, a thick kind of big meaty guy, like a big old, like a big old country boy, you know, you're just, you're just, you're just stacked. You're just a, a big shoulder, big arm guy. Um, anyway, um, you obviously wouldn't wouldn't need as many steroids to to keep that weight because you could naturally you naturally were going to be bigger than most of us walking around anyway. Uh, 
So that's the part where you need to be real truthful with yourself about your genetics. I mean, were you going to be a big guy walking among us, even if you never touched the sauce, then chances are that uh, you, you, first of all, you might not even put on that much more weight after, after you use the steroids, not, not, not more than a guy who started off skinnier, maybe by, by poundish by year. And, but whatever you do gain, you might be able to, might be able to hold on to. So there, there's definitely a lot of different factors um, that, that are there that I think. Um, and so, you know, depending on how far along your development are, if you really you weight train five, eight years naturally, and you, you know, you became 210, 220, nice, big, lean, then you start juicing. And then after five years on the sauce, now you're 280, 270. That's a good additional 50, 60 pounds of muscle mass on your frame. If you quit using steroids, there's a good chance you're going you're gonna to shrink down and maybe not be able to get over 230, 240 naturally ever, natural without steroids. And in order to be above 240, right? Remember, when you started off, you, you made it to 210, maybe 220, natural training, eight years, right? Then you threw sauce on top of it. Many years. You got up to, let's say, 280, 270, just big dude. Then you quit the sauce. You quit the steroids. You go back to training natural. You might be able, as I've said on the podcast, you might be able to keep 20 to maybe 30 pounds of those first couple of cycles you did. Everything after that, you're always going to play catch up because it's always going to try to melt off you. So then at that point, um, you, you shrink down to being 235, 240, you know, whatever, 230, 240, 45, let's say. Still a big guy, still holding on to more mass than you did when you were natural. You might not be able to grow much more than that naturally. I mean, it doesn't matter how much you train or how much you eat. You, you, you just might not. You might, you might need steroids to go above that. And, and then if you, if you are 260, 270, um, you're going to need to hold on to, you're going to need to keep using or at least blasting and cruising or a little TRT cruising or something. Otherwise your body's going to try to fight you and, and get back down. That's just been my experience uh, myself working with guys um, that are, you know, big dudes. You'd be surprised how many guys out there walking around 260, 270 and don't compete, don't compete in anything, not even bench weight, not even benching or anything. They're just, they're just 260, 270, you know, big dudes, tall guys, you know, they, they, there's a few out there. And then if you're a smaller guy, those, those numbers also apply those kind of, you just have to drop them down by 10, 20, 30%. That's kind of that's kind of how it goes. It's kind of what I've what I've seen uh, along. What, what do you think, Steve? What do you think about what I'm saying? I think I think in like I think you make a good point. It just depends on his body fat. If you're that big, um, it's highly unlikely unless you're like a pro bodybuilder that you would be lean. So I don't see the point of using master on here. I would tell this person if you want to use a big cycle, leave out the master on until you're lean. Like you really, you got to be like under 8% body fat, in my opinion. Otherwise it's kind of pointless to use Masteron, you know? So, I mean, it just depends. Another thing too, I'm a little concerned because he says that he could kick our asses and he wants people to message him and he's going to come and get them. So I'm a little worried. I hope, I mean, I hope he doesn't come, you know, cause you're doxxed. So I hope he doesn't look you up and, 
you know, drive over to where you're at, Rick, and get you. Oh, well. <laughs> I mean, oh, well. It's just it's the least of my concerns is somebody trying to beat me up. <laughs> All right. So the next thing we're going to talk about is uh, this is a question we get a lot. And, like, if you listen to this podcast a lot, you may look at this question and be like, ah, oh, this question, it's it's a dumb question or it's a stupid question. But I get this question a lot from guys. And I think, you know, I think it's one of those things where people just want to be like, kind of, you know, reassured, you know, and they'll ask a question like this. And and then when you tell them the answer, then they're like, okay, okay, I got it. I got it. So they realize right away that it wasn't that, you know, that big a deal. And it's, it's about switching testosterone. Let's say, let's say you're using testosterone propionate and then you want to switch over to testosterone imitate or, or sipinate, you know, mid cycle. Is that, is that okay? And, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, it's okay. I mean, really the only thing you're going to change is you don't have to inject the sipinate as often you can inject the sipinate once or twice a week, no problem, but propionate, you got to inject it at least every two to three days. So really, that's the only change that's going to happen here. It's not going to affect your cycle. Um, there used to be, back in the day, guys who would say, oh, yeah, you shouldn't do that. It's going to screw things up, blah, blah, blah. And I really think that that bro science myth came because guys were switching uh, mid-cycle, but they were going from a good brand to a bad brand or vice versa. They'll go from a, 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 a bad brand to a good brand. So the gear might be underdosed, you know? So then they'd be like, oh, yeah, switching Esther mid-cycle. It made my cycle so much better, blah, blah, blah. Or they'll be the opposite. They'll be like, oh, I switched my uh, Esther mid-cycle, and I wasn't getting as good gains. I wasn't feeling as good the second part of the cycle. So back in those days, you know, the a lot of fake gear. Back in those days, they were faking, like, pharmaceutical-grade gear. They would just, like, like, copy the labels this is around the time where you where you had printers coming out and you know you could print out a label and and fake it easily now you know nobody does that you know nobody does that anymore like you're not going to try to fake a big label because that's you know that's a major offense pharmaceutical companies they don't want you fucking with their products all right you know you can make bathtub gear and you know put a cheap label on a on a vial and sell it yeah that's one thing but trying to rip off a pharmaceutical grade product by making fake labels off your printer they're going to come and get you so nobody nobody does that anymore unless they're really really stupid so i think i think that's where that bro science came from um anything anything you want to add to that rick it's okay to change testosterone ester change Shit is okay to change steroids if you want, really. You know, I was I, I interviewed a, a Guru Minalai who helps competitors get get ready for shows, and uh, he's talking about doing a regimen where he does Dianabol for a couple of days out of the week, then then something like Anavar or something like Toranabol. He switches guys on orals uh, every couple of days throughout the week, so you could kind of do whatever the hell you want, really with this thing we just with this podcast we kind of give some some guidelines that are steve's and i's experience using this stuff but you could switch you could switch esters why the hell not i mean i've i've heard listen i've heard it a couple ways like you guys will do prop a 
at the very beginning of the cycle because it kicks in quicker. They'll pump some inactate or some cypionate at the start. And then right around the time the inactate or the cypionate starts to really build up after a couple of weeks, then they, they drop the prop. This is no longer necessary. And then they keep hitting their inactate. That's a way to kind of kickstart the cycle, getting it going quicker with shorter esters. I've heard it on the other way. Guys will start with an ad date at the very start uh, or, or DECA and Andrelone at the start. And then towards the very end of the cycle, they'll switch over to propionate or, or phenopropionate ester as far as DECA. So that way they're doing steroids right up until the last few days before PCT. So you can kick right into PCT right away. So like if your last two weeks of, of DECA, you, you stop shooting the longer acting um, nandrone on the can the, the canoate ester, you, you switch over to phenylpropanate. That's a shorter uh, length ex- ester, so you actually need to wait less time from your last shot before post cycle therapy starts really kicking in and doing its thing. I've I've seen it many. There are guys who shoot an athlete and propionate in the same needle. I've done cycles like this where my you know my guy was like, dude, I. I'm out of sip. I'm out of, I'm out of an athlete. Got some prop though. And a little bit of an athlete, you know, not, not enough for what I'm trying to do. So something like that, I might do, let's say one CC or half a CC of, of an athlete with another one CC or half a CC of prop in the same needle a couple of times a week, you know, every third day or whatever, boom, hit it. And the props kicking in right away. Then that thing's going to take a little bit of time to build up. And you can run a whole cycle like that. Look, there's Sustanon. It's got four esters in it. Would, would If there's a Sustanon product with four esters of testosterone in it, what would be there to stop you from just mixing an athlete and propionate in the same syringe, the same needle? Why, why not? Right? So it's, it's just um, it's one of those things where, you can almost kind of do everything, anything you want. Just make sure you run proper PCT diet and training is on point where it needs to be in. And I don't see an issue. Last one we're going to kind of get into. And uh, this one is up Rick's alley. There's a question about Winstrol and the advantages of running the different ways you can use Winstrol. Um, so Rick kind of go over, you have Winstrol, oil-based Winstrol, you have water-based suspension winstrol you have a tablet form of winstrol go once you go over you have you can inject them you can uh, consume them orally kind of go over each and explain kind of educate us about about winstrol your thoughts on it uh so basically it's it's the same uh winstrol that is in in the liquid water-based liquid for injecting. Now, now it's not they sources make oil-based. They've been making it for like the last 10 years. Um, and the and the capsules, on the, the, the tablets, it's the same, same base hormone, actually, really, when it comes down to it. It's just that different delivery methods. Uh, the tablets, you've got to take them every so often. You got to take them uh, a few times a day because when you ingest a tablet, your body is really well set up to to take the steroid in, process it, push it through the liver, get it through your body. It's a real, um, real easy, real simple kind of what your body's meant to do. When you inject that steroid into a muscle and you create a depot in the muscles, your muscle, your body's not kind of really 
equipped to do that. I mean, it can, it can dissipate that depot and it does. And, it, and that's why injections, intramuscular injections work because your body can dissipate, can, can do something with that depot, but it's not really what it's meant to be going on. Not like, not like eating is a thing, you know, like when you eat the winstrel, it's a completely different process. So when you create a depot in the muscle cell, um, the oil or, or really usually is water-based, the water will dissipate. And then the crystalline hormone will be left there in the muscle. And it just takes the muscle a bit longer to, to get that crystalline hormone now into the bloodstream. It takes it a little while longer than it does you ingesting it, you eating the winstrol where, where your, your small intestine, liver, I mean, just boom, it, it's, in the, it's in the blood system because your small intestine is meant to do that. Your muscle is not really meant to do that. It's, it's, it's just having a reaction to a depot mm -hmm. that's there. It's part of your natural uh, processes mm -hmm. and your body can do that, but it's not really what it's, what it's meant for. So injecting Winstrol, um, you get the crystalline hormone actually kind of slow releasing out of that depot, out of the, out of the muscle. This is why guys who inject Winstrol will just inject once a day. Uh, back in the day, some guys would inject it every other day I've heard, but Really, once a day injection is fine because it it kind of slow releases out of there. When you ingest it, yeah, it's kind of in your system pretty quickly. It's through the body pretty quickly. Half life begins to kick in, and you know, and you have to you have to take another dose pretty 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 quickly on early on. So, um, which one is better? I mean, they're both good depending on what you're doing. That they're both they're both good. They're both they're both going to hurt your liver no matter what. You know, they're, they're both going to hurt the liver. Even the ones in your muscle, it's going to pass through the liver anyway, at some point through your bloodstream. So they're both going to hurt your liver. Um, really, that point is, uh, Winstrel tends to be one of the one of the more painful shots if you're using the water-based stuff. And and sometimes uh, the water-based stuff will clump in the needle and you got to push harder and you got to maybe heat the steroid, the bottle before you, you even draw out of it, just warm it up. I mean, there's... It's a little bit more cumbersome than just taking the tablets. But then again, there's definitely something real easy and real cool about just being able to take the shot, boom, and inject it. And then not worrying about it the rest of the day, not worried about timing, ingestion of the steroid the rest of the day. You could, you could take your shot early in the morning before work, or you could take your shot late at night before bed and be good until the next day and not, not, not worry about it. So that's kind of been my, my, my experience and my opinion on, uh, on oral versus injectable. Yeah, my opinion about Winstrel, 25 to 50 milligrams a day. Uh, be careful what you stack it with. Um, I found if you stack it with uh, something really androgenic, like Trend, for example, really, really hammers your cholesterol, obviously. But also it's going to hammer your hair really, really bad. Um, another thing I noticed using Trenbolone, uh, using Winstrol with Trenbolone that I didn't notice using Trenbolone with other steroids is headaches. I started getting really bad headaches on that stack. And it's probably, you know, has to do with blood pressure. So um, just be careful, you know, with Winstrol. Winstrol, historically, one of the things that I've always found fascinating was if you look at the historic steroid charts of side effects and Winstrol would be um, 
wouldn't have high side effects on those charts. So it's one of those bro science things that went for a long time. And the reason on those charts were really derived from like the 70s and 80s. And the reason they listed Winstrol, you know, without high side effects is because it's it doesn't aromatize into estrogen. So back in those days, estrogen was like the number one side effect because they didn't have aromatase inhibitors, they didn't have anti-estrogens, they didn't have access to those things. So they would they would consider Winstrol a low side effect steroid. But in modern times, you know, now that we have access to AIs, Winstrol is not more. Um, is not, doesn't have that, shouldn't have that rating. It should be rated pretty high with high with side effects because of the damage it does to your hair, the damage it does to your prostate, to your cholesterol, to your liver and in, in your joints as well. Um, that's another thing. I don't have a historic issue with, with dry joints, but when I was on Winstrol, I definitely had dry joints. I could feel my joints dry. And when you're training with, with dry joints, you open yourself up to, to injuries. So I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Winstrol, but some people love it. Some people absolutely love it. So it's one of those things where, you know, this isn't a black and white uh, argument when it comes to these steroids guys. And we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't bash steroids just because they don't work for us. You know, steroids are, going to be um, debated and it's going to be one of those things where some people will like Winstrol, some people won't like Winstrol. Some it may fit your goals, particular goals. It may not fit your particular goals. So it really it, it's one of those things where in the end, you know, give it a shot, experiment with it and see see what you think. You might you might like it and then 10 years from now you may not like it or vice versa. All right, so that sums it up, guys. This was another great episode, number 443. We are headed to 1,000 before you know it, and uh, it's been an incredible journey. I've been part of all 443 episodes. Rick has been a part of 275 of those episodes. Did you know that, Rick? I actually looked this up before the show. That's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I'm just kidding. I made that number up. <laughs> but it's it's got to be something like that. It's got to be. Well, I started. I know I started an episode two hundred and fifty-five. Ah, okay. So, so no, we're almost at two hundred. We're almost at two hundred. Yep. All right. So we're we're kind of like the that sitcom uh, Three's Company. Remember Three's Company? And you always had. Um, you ever seen that Come show? And knock on our door. Yeah, it's gonna we'll like, like the first, like the first that, season. That yeah, and the, the the first season they had a bunch of actors, and the second season a couple of actors left the show, and the third season a couple more actors left the show, but they kept you know Jack and the the, the brunette chick throughout all all five all five or six seasons or seven seasons. But like they would you know certain actors would leave, you know they'd have they'd get into uh, you know contractual disputes, and then and they'd leave. So being part of this podcast, I only, I only remember the the. The, the theme song for the show because I think when I was a kid there was a show a kid's show that I used to watch and when that was over with uh, Three's Company would start and then I would just change the channel or yeah do Hummer Hummer I had no interest in it but I do remember <laughs> yeah no interest in it no, it's a no great show bro it's a great show yeah no, yeah no it's a comedy dude what are you 
It's comedy. It's a good one. I mean, when I was a kid, I watched what is what like I watched like what like Full House and and Saved by the Bell. I mean, those were like and Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I mean, I, yeah. I wasn't um I wasn't like I remember like there was like Three's Company. No, Three's Company came out. Three's Company was from the, the late seventies, bro. We, but I watched a well, reruns. They were rerunning it. They were running. Oh, yeah, but, I was you know, say, I didn't watch the know, original. If, if there were, if there was, if there ever was one. <laughs> I don't know if you, if you call that a sitcom. If there was ever one sitcom that I actually watched religiously, probably every single episode ever made was Married with Children. I thought you were going to say Family Matters. Married with Children. Nah, I wasn't into Family Matter. Urkel? Yeah, I wasn't that big into Urkel. Nah, I was uh, definitely Married Married with Children was probably one of, probably my, my favorite uh, a show uh, growing up as a kid. So one, of the, one of the episodes we did... Um was about uh lou frigno who did uh who played the incredible hulk and can you yeah, believe yeah. it i remember that sitcom as a as a i was only maybe two years old three years old and i i, I, I can't believe that i actually remember that i remember watching him on tv and i was only like three years old so yeah well, there were amazing. some there, there's some american shows that were some of the few to be kind of translated into spanish because i was i was a Lived in Colombia. I was a kid and all the way up until 1989. That's how old I am. So, uh, you know, like it was like uh, the Bionic Man, the, the Million Dollar Man. What was it? Uh, um, uh, show, uh, Kung Fu, uh, The Hulk. Like those were some of the only shows that were translated to Spanish. So, I mean, I grew up watching watching Ferrigno uh, be the Hulk like that. And I knew that was just a bodybuilder and painting, but that was like one of the first my first uh, uh, times looking at someone and being like, that'd be fucking cool to be Jack like that dude. Cause we all knew that was Lou. Like people, people knew that was Lou Ferrigno in South America. Lou Ferrigno was popular. That movie, that Arnold movie pumping iron was, was popular and everybody knew Lou Ferrigno. And, and um, yeah, I grew up watching, uh, watching the Hulk and, and Batman and just some of the real popular um, shows that were translated, that were dubbed into Spanish, you know, funny enough. All right, guys. So we hope you enjoyed it. We always sometimes at the end we'll uh, we'll do a couple. We'll, we'll just fuck around a little bit. So um, if you remember any shows as a kid, uh, if you remember the Incredible Hulk as a kid, I remember I remember one episode of Incredible Hulk where he was on a swamp and he turned into the Hulk and I actually threw up. That scene made me actually throw up because I, I didn't feel good at the time. I remember it's amazing how I remember I actually threw up in front of the TV when I saw that. Because I guess just the green monster made me throw up. So it's really <laughs> weird. I, I don't know how I remember this shit, but it's incredible. Reminds me of this uh, story. I just there's saw. a there, there's a movie with with Incredible Hulk and Thor, and it was Lou Ferrigno and then some some guy playing Thor. I can't remember who the guy is now who played Thor. That was pretty cool. It's a movie with uh, Incredible Hulk and Thor. That was, that was a pretty cool movie. All right, guys. We'll talk to you guys next week with another Q and A. Keep the questions coming. Take care. Have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Ricky V. And today, I just want to take a minute to talk about my product, N2Guard. We developed N2Guard around 10 years ago. And from the start, it became a favorite for steroid users of all walks of life. Guys on TRT, Guys taking on the ground stuff, competitors, high-level IFBB pros, and the like. I mean, you name it. 
if you're taking steroids, chances are you know about Entugard or you're taking it before. Now, what makes Entugard so special and such a favorite product among bodybuilders is that it combines 40 ingredients in a seven capsule per day dosing. You get 44 ingredients that cover you in every way, liver support, kidney support, heart health, blood pressure, water retention, you name it. And the main concerns with toxicity when it comes to steroid use are covered by these 44 ingredients. Now, it's not just the steroid users, but also guys using SARMs, peptides, or any sort of synthetic performance enhancing drugs you might be taking. If you would like more information on Entugard, or you'd like to buy a bottle today, visit N2Guard.com. Guys, this is the required legal disclaimer. We are only sharing our experience from years of steroid use. We are not doctors, and none of what we say should be regarded as medical advice. Always check with your doctor before taking any drugs or starting any training program.